Well, good evening, guys. It is, um, it's really great to, to be able to gather. Uh, and do feel free to, to come across to this aisle if you want to. You, you're, you're more than welcome to stay there. But um, it's nice to all be able to, to gather together and to, to worship. And we, we do what we, we always do. We, we come to, to reflect on who we are, on who God is, and to, to worship God because of who He is. Um, the band are going to lead us in some contemporary worship this evening, um, and there will be more music than there normally is, um, which is an opportunity for us to, to worship God by singing. Uh, and there's some really important truths that are in these songs that we'll sing tonight, songs that tell us about God being our Father. Uh, and that's going to be one of the major themes that we're looking at this evening, God being our Father. Um, but before we sing, let me, let me share some verses in First Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, and reading from verse 3 to verse 7, and it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. And these, these verses just highlight for us how precious a thing it is to be known by God, how precious a thing it is to have been saved by God, and the, the wonder of the inheritance that we who are God's children by adoption, we have this inheritance that will never spoil, never fade, and is ours forever, kept by Him who has the power to overcome death. As I mentioned, we're going to be looking at what is commonly called the prodigal son story, and Olivia is going to come and read that. This is Luke chapter 15, verse 11 to 32. The parable of the lost son. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me your share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. 
I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in a field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So the father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Amen. Just before we look at God's word together, let me pray. Our God and Father, we pray that you would indeed open our eyes this evening to see more of who you are. Uh, we pray that we would hear you speaking to us through your word just now. We pray this in your holy and precious name. Amen. So, when I had first conceived of this message, it was going to be for Father's Day. But it's just as apt today, I hope. <laughs> and and the, the story that we have looked at is, is what is often called the story of the prodigal son. Um, Olivia's version uh, was probably a bit more helpful where it says the, the parable of the lost son. Um, and this is a, one in a series of parables that Jesus teaches. Um, it comes after the parable of the lost coin and the parable of the lost sheep. So the parable of the lost son makes a lot more sense in some ways. Um, but as we'll see, I think all of these parables, and this one especially, are really focused on the Father's heart. It's what the Father delights in that comes out at the end of all of these parables. There is rejoicing when something that is lost is found. God rejoices when somebody who is lost is found. And that's pertinent because who Jesus is speaking to. It's important to remember that, that these aren't just parables spoken into the air out of any context, but Jesus was actually teaching specific people with a specific heart problem. And he was speaking to, to the Pharisees and the, the law, the lawyers who were grumbling. They were not happy with the company that Jesus was keeping. They were not happy that he was associating himself with sinners. He, they didn't feel he should be doing that. So, so we come this evening to, to Luke chapter 15, uh, verse 11 to 32. And we see that the prodigal son is a story about, about a father and two sons. And you have the prodigal son, the one who is wayward and often is the one who is the focus of our attention in this story. And, and he treats his father horrendously, as we will see. And then towards the end of the story, we see the, the older son. And actually, when we dig into it, he doesn't treat his father any better. He just does it in maybe a more respectable fashion. 
And then we see the Father. And throughout this, this parable, we see the Father's heart in how he responds to these two sons. So that's what we're going to look at, how the Father, how his heart is revealed in his response to the two sons. So the first son, as I said, is, is this one that's often referred to as a prodigal. Prodigal isn't really a word we use, but it just means he was, he was wayward. He was, he was wild in the way that he, he lived. Uh, and you see in, in verse 12 of this chapter, he approaches his father. And, and we have to get our heads around just what that culture was like. Um, that culture was an honor-shame culture where you had to respect your elders. It was not the done thing to, to disrespect your father. And more is the shame, it's not still like that. <coughs> but this was the culture. Uh, and it was a big issue for what, what the son, this younger son, did in particular. He goes to his father and he says, give me my share of the inheritance. Now, that at first might not seem like such a, a shocking thing, but essentially what he's saying is, I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead because I want your stuff. I don't want you. And, and that is shocking. And, and this father, <laughs> the response is, is frankly staggering, but we'll come to that in a minute. This, this, this young son, he, he asks his father for his stuff, and he goes, and he, he goes down and down. He goes first away from his father, into Gentile land, away from his people, into a country where, where nobody would know him and know what he was doing. And he spent all that his father had given to him in wayward and wild living. He squandered it, the, the Bible tells us. But it doesn't last very long. The things that he thought might give him pleasure, the things that he, he hoped in for maybe a better life, freedom and, and joy and self-expression, these things didn't last. They very quickly ran out. Uh, and, and that is a lesson and a warning for us that these material things that we think might give us some pleasure and freedom turn around to be the things that actually kill us and restrict us. Um, we see in, in verse 14 to 16 that, that this, this Jewish boy ends up working on a pig farm. And that, again, doesn't hit us as it would have, the, 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 the initial Jewish audience. That is rock bottom. He is so desperate because there's a famine that has hit, a severe famine, and he is hungry. And we, we really have no idea what that feels like, that kind of hunger, that famine. But this is severe. People would have been dying of hunger. And so he's driven to working in a pig farm, and he is so hungry that he wants to eat the pig food. And I don't know if any of you guys have ever worked on a pig farm. I've had the, the pleasure of, um, of being on a pig farm. One of my friends, when I was younger, owned a pig farm, and it is not a pleasant place to be. And their food is definitely not something you want to share. It's, it's rancid. You, we can't quite get our heads into that place, I don't think, but how desperate this young son was. He had squandered all that he'd been given, and he was rock bottom. But then we're told in, in verse 17 that he comes to his senses. 
he comes to his senses, he realizes because of all of the things that have happened to him and where he currently is, just what a mess he has made. And it's not just that he is wanting for things. He's wanting for his father because he realizes what he has done in sinning against his father. He realizes that what he has done by, by saying to his father, give me your stuff, I wish you were dead, leaving and going and living as though his father was dead, he realizes what a grievous, horrible sin he has committed against his father. And so he, he decides that he will return. But he knows, he knows he doesn't deserve to be a son in his father's house. He knows that because of what he has done. So he says, I will go back as a servant because they're well fed at least. So I can go back and be in my father's house. I don't deserve the position of a son, but I will go back. And so he makes his way back. Now, let's retrace our steps to look at the father's response to this son. When he asked the father for his things, for his inheritance, that father had every, every right to kick him out of that house with nothing. That son had committed such a terrible offense against his father that right there and then the father would be well in his rights to cut him off with nothing. He doesn't do that. This father is merciful. This father is gracious. He gives him, he gives him what he asked for. He gives him his share of the inheritance and he allows him to go. Now that's an incredible incredible gesture of mercy from this father. And then we see how he responds to his wayward son in verse 20. After the son decides to come back and plead for forgiveness. Well, when he was a long way off, the Bible tells us, when he was a long way off, this this wayward son, the father spotted him. He was looking for him. He was waiting for him, hoping for him to return. And he spots him when he was a long way off, and he runs to him. And the son, he begins his apology. He begins to say, Father, I have sinned against you, and I don't deserve to be a son, but the father doesn't let him finish his sentence. The father embraces him, and he throws a party for him. He celebrates because this lost son has come home. This one who was dead is now alive. For all intents and purposes, this son was dead to that father. But he has returned and he is now alive. And the father throws a party. He kills the fattened calf. He puts a robe on him. He puts a ring on his finger. He gives him a place of honor when he deserved disgrace. Now again, In this instance, and in the previous one, the father bears the shame of the son. The shame that this son had placed on that father. Again, when the, the son came back, the father would have been well in his rights to make him feel low and terrible for what he had done, and to publicly disgrace that son, and put him into a horrible subservient position in the house. That was the best position that he deserved. But he doesn't do that. The father is merciful and gracious. 
And he celebrates because this son who was wayward and lost and dead has come home and is alive. That's what we see in the response, the father's heart towards this son. And then we see the second son in this story. The second son, he's quieter in the first part of the story, but he is there. In the very first verse, we read that this father had two sons. And you'll notice in verse 12, after the younger son requested his inheritance, we read that the father divided it between the both of them. They were both given inheritance. Now, the, the older son, he sticks around. He stays at home. He, he works as a servant. We read that towards the very end. He, he does his duty. He keeps the rules. He, he is there, but as we'll read on, he isn't with the father. He's serving the father, but he's not relating to the father as a son. It's like the vending machine illustration. Both of the sons want what they can get out of the father. They've just got different ways of going about it. Neither of them are relating to him as a father. This second son, the older son, when he hears the party that's going on for the young son's return, he goes and asks, what, what's going on? What's the noise? And a servant reports to him that the, your brother's come home. Isn't this wonderful news? Well, he didn't think so. He didn't think so. Because he knew that this younger son, his brother, he did not deserve that party. This older son thought he deserved it. He deserved it for all of his, his duty and his hard work. He'd kept the rules. He'd been there when the younger son had disappeared. But the father says, well, the father, we see, he responds to this older son and we see again his heart. He comes out of the party to speak to this older son. And not just to speak to him, he pleads with him to come in, to join this celebration, this wonderful party about this son, this brother of yours who was lost and is now found, who was dead and is now alive. There should have been joy in that household, a family reunited. But this is a dysfunctional family because the older brother now is not relating to the father as father. And we see that highlighted in, in what he asks or what he says to the father and what he deserves. He says, you know, I've served you all of these years. I've done all of my duty, but you haven't given me so much as a, a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. He wanted the father's things so that he could use them for his own pleasure. He didn't want to celebrate with the father. He didn't want to to enjoy a party and a, a relationship with the father. He wanted the father's stuff, just like the younger son. And, and this older son was to be like a sucker punch to the people who were listening, because they should have seen themselves in his shoes. Those self-righteous Pharisees and law keepers, they were just like this older brother who took no delight in other people, especially sinful people coming to God. But this is a wonderful story that is good news for us, us who, who have a large part of our lives probably not related to God as Father. If we've related to Him at all, oftentimes it's as a vending machine. You know, when there's a time of crisis, we cry out to Him and we want stuff. Or, you know, when there's something that we particularly like, or, or maybe envy in fact, we ask God for that thing. 
We relate to God like he's a vending machine, but, but God is so much greater than that. God is a father. God is one who protects. God is one who is merciful and gracious. God is one who, who searches after us, even when we were far from him, when we were lost, when we were dead. He is the one who took the initiative to bring us back to him. And he does that in Christ Jesus. He does that when we were dead. At just the right time, when we were powerless to do anything for ourselves, Christ died for us. That is the Father's mercy, the Father's grace. That's the Father's heart towards us. When, when we put shame upon Him, He bore that shame on Himself so that we might be given a position of honor. He celebrates when we come into His family. And He, he clothes us in His righteousness like He did that young son. But this, this parable doesn't finish on that point of celebration. It, it ends on a somber note, on a, a warning note, actually. It ends after the father has pleaded with the older brother to come back into the party, to come and join him in this celebration. And we don't know what the response is. We don't know. But there is that invitation, that pleading to come and to join this celebration with God as our Father, to enjoy that relationship. And that is an invitation that is on the table for each and every one of us. Whether we happen to be the wild and reckless lawbreakers, are the ones who, who abide by all the laws, all of the rules, and try to please God that way. This story tells us that actually the way to, to please God and to be accepted by Him is by coming empty-handed and broken and realizing that we have nothing to give him. Let me pray. Our God and Father, we, we thank you for this story, this parable that tells us of your heart of love towards your children. Father, we see ourselves in these two sons. We see how so often we fail to relate to you as a father, and instead we we only value you for what you can give us. Forgive us, Father, for, for when we treat you in that way, and help us to see the much greater value and worth in knowing you as our Lord and Savior, and knowing you as our Father, who is daily with us, providing for our needs, and providing for our salvation. We thank you for the, the place of honor that you have given those of us who are in your family Although we only deserve disgrace and rejection, we are embraced by you, our loving Heavenly Father. Help us to, to remember these things this week as we go into it and so many distractions surround us. Help us to know you as Father. We pray this in your holy and precious name. Amen.